Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Today's episode of What Happened When is brought to you by SaveCade.com. If you're a renter, I've got a question for you. After all of those payments, what have you got to show for it? I mean, if you could buy a house for roughly what you're paying in rent, why wouldn't you? SaveCade.com makes this process fast and easy. You don't need perfect credit. Even credit scores in the 500s will qualify. But maybe best of all, you don't need any money out of pocket. You couldn't even go find an apartment that cheap. You'd have to pay your first month's rent, your last month's rent, and a security deposit. But you get a great tax deduction. You see all the mortgage interest you pay, you get a check back at the end of the year for What do you get back for your rent? Nothing. You know what else you don't get? Any appreciation. You see, right now, home values are on the rise. Your landlord is going to be worth more next year than he is this year. And you're helping him pay it off. Why don't you pay something off for your family? Why don't you experience that appreciation and grow your wealth? Why don't you get that big tax deduction? First Family can make it happen for you right now at SaveCade.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Find out how easy it is to own your very own home right now at SaveCade.com. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When Monday on the MLW Radio Network. And here, the man of the hour, the master of ceremonies himself, the voice of professional wrestling below the Mason Dixon line, and the voice of MLW on BN Sports Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tony Schiavone! What's going on, kind sir? How are you? Hello, hello, Slapdicks and Conrad Thompson. Great promoter that you are. Good to be with you. We are in the midst of a great time to be in pro wrestling. 
one of the greatest times to be in pro wrestling, and I'm very glad to be a part of it. Thanks to everyone who's enjoyed World uh, Championship Wrestling through the years, and now WHW Monday here on the MLW Radio Network. We've got a lot going on, and I'm just glad to say that, Conrad, I love you. Oh, I love you too, Tony. We're having such a good time. And you're busting yes, my balls every single week about being a wrestling promoter. And I'm busting your balls about being a perv. We're having a good time. And I'm looking forward to Whoa. today's episode. We're going to be covering maybe the most historic Nitro ever. It's Nitro number 37 on the WWE Network. So fire that up right now. It's May 27th, 1996. Motherfucker called me a perp. Well, yeah, go ahead. I was talking to somebody else. No, I get it. Hey, listen, okay. I, I've got some things I want to talk about. I want to announce right now that the month of June is dedicated to Jim Crockett Promotions. Dun, dun, dun. Check out our lineup right now on Twitter at WHW Monday. There you'll see that we're going to be covering the 605 show from 86, 87, and 88, and even Clash of the Champions 2, Miami Mayhem. The month of June is all about Jim Crockett Promotions. For whatever reason, it doesn't win a poll, but lots of our hardcore listeners really want more JCP and some even freestyle that you enjoy talking about JCP more than WCW. Is that fair to say? Well, because I had been such a big wrestling fan of Jim Crockett promotions prior to that, uh, I feel like I was, uh, well, I hate to use this overused term, but I was very blessed to now be a part of the promotion and it was a very happy time for me. There was less pressure than what happened, you know, later with World Championship Wrestling, WCW. So, yeah, it was a great time for me, and I was a, I was a much happier camper, as they say. Well, I tell you what, you're about to be a much happier camper because we've got some big show news for you first. Now, before we drop this, I want to hit you with this right up front. The show's not going anywhere. Everything's fine. The show's not over. The show's not being canceled. The show goes on. <laughs> and... With that, I would like to announce that we now have an opportunity for more bonus content. You guys are after us every single week. Hey, man, can we get some video? Hey, man, why don't you guys cover other promotions? Hey, man, would you ever cover ECW? Hey, man, when can we get a SummerSlam show? Hey, man, why don't you show a tournament of death to Tony? What if we did all of that? We're announcing right now, officially, that this is our last Monday episode. We're moving to Wednesday next week. You'll be able to hear Tony on this exact same feed right here. Absolutely free on Wednesday, June the 6th. It'll be what happened when on Wednesday. Now, if you're disappointed and you think, man, I really need it on Monday. We want to invite you to support us and be a member of slap Dick nation and get this show on Monday. Absolutely ad free at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. That's right. What happened when is coming to Patreon and we're providing you with a lot of bonus content. First of all, you're going to get the show two days early, completely ad free. You're also going to get a weekly video Q and a with Tony or myself every single week, but maybe the best thing, if you're a member of slap Dick nation, which is the first level of contributor we have here, you get behind the scenes video of our weekly prep. You'll get to see me and my buds over here watching this silly shit that we're going to cover. But the main event is when you get to see Tony and Lois watching some of the shows that we cover a behind the scenes video pick. You'll also get to vote in the polls and then we get to contributor level number two. It's the hot tag express 
And Hot Tag Express gets everything we just ran through, but you also get a personal call from Tony, not just for buying a shirt, but for supporting us on Patreon. You'll also get a bonus show on the current product. Tony could watch Raw with you or SmackDown or a pay-per-view or MLW or Impact or Lucha Underground or Ring of Honor. Whatever the current product is that you'd like for him to cover, maybe a little New Japan. We're actually going to cover that once a month as a bonus show for you on the current product. And you guys get to vote as to what that is. And we're going to cover a second bonus show on other promotions. So maybe you want to go back and watch an old WWF SummerSlam, maybe from 1989, or maybe ECW One Night Stand, or the Invasion pay-per-view from 2001. Whatever you're looking for, you get two bonus shows, one on the current product, and then one on other promotions. You'll also get 10% off of all your purchases at boxofgimmicks.com. And this is fun. This is maybe my favorite piece of this. Weekly video footage of Tony calling fans for the t-shirt orders. So when Tony calls to thank you for purchasing a t-shirt, he's going to put it on speaker and record it. If you don't want it to continue on speaker, he'll take you off. But that will create some hilarious interaction. You'll even get an exclusive WHW enamel pin. Now that is if you're a member of Hot Tag Express. Our third level is for our glass bottom boat riders. You get everything mm. we've covered so far, plus two free VIP tickets to a live show. And that's a big deal because with this Patreon support, Tony is going to be able to take less regular bookings and more wrestling bookings. So I would expect us over the next year to have at least four stage shows. We'll also have exclusive WHW merchandise for you for free, a 15% discount at boxagimmicks.com. And here's where we start really hitting. You get to schedule coffee with Tony. You see, Tony's on the road calling traditional sports almost every week, multiple times a week. And when he's in your neck of the woods, he'll meet you at a Starbucks, grab a coffee, catch up, take your picks, do whatever you'd like. You can even do a visit with Tony by Skype. And we're going to start having annual gatherings in Atlanta and or Nashville. And only the people who are supporting us at this glass bottom boat rider level are going to be invited to that. Tickets will not be sold. It'll just be with us. And we're going to have a little weekend event here in the South, either Atlanta or Nashville, both easy fly-ins. But now a very small number of you get to be low key, big hogs, everything we've covered so far but a 20% discount over at boxagimmicks.com. And, and this is fun, you pick a bonus episode, not by poll, you personally pick a bonus episode, and we want you to pick something unique. And then you get to make a special appearance here on that bonus episode and explain to us why you're putting us through this. Hmm. You also get a new piece of merchandise every single quarter, absolutely free, and maybe best of all, a private invite to a weekend event here in Huntsville once a year. You guys will help decide the date as long as it coordinates with Tony and my schedule. We're going to invite you guys to come hang out for the entire weekend here in Huntsville. Take a little tour, watch a little wrestling, hang out at the Conradison. There's no telling what, so, what sort of silliness we're going to get into. We've got four different levels for which you can contribute. It starts at just $7 to be a member of Slap Dick Nation. You've also got Hot Tag Express, the Glass Bottom Boat Riders, and Low Key Big Hogs. We're trying to give you more content. This will create revenue that will allow Tony to ease off some of the crazy travel schedule he's under and allow him to create more content here for our Patreon supporters. It's patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. 
I encourage you, if you enjoy the show, at least go look at it. Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash W-H-W Monday and see all about it. The page is live right now, and we would love to have your support. Is that fair to say, Tony? That is fair to say, and I think we need to say again, everyone take a breath here because let's tell you the show, if you want it the way it is, you'll get it. Nothing changes with the exception of you'll get it on Wednesday now. It'll download on Wednesday. Unless you are a part of us on Patreon, then you'll get it on Monday ad-free. But if you're saying, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of Patreon. Just can't do that right now. That's fine. Come on and join us on Wednesday, just like always, and you'll get the podcast that you've come to hopefully love. Check it out, man. We want, we'd love to have your support. Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. But one more time. The show's not changing. Just going to Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, next week, check us out right here. We're going to be covering all about Jim Crockett promotions. If you're one of those folks who would really like to go ahead and just watch it beforehand, and I get that. Let me tell you exactly what episode you'll want to watch. It's the June 7th, 1986 episode of NWA World Championship Wrestling. That's going to be almost 30 years or almost 32 years rather to the day when it launches here on this free feed on Wednesday, June the 6th. Now you get to see it early. If you support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. All right, Tony, it's time. Is she awake? Can we get her in here? Yes, we can get her in here. Come on in here, lady. You, you've, you've, thanks to Conrad, you've become, wait a minute. And she's walking through a lot of dog hair. (laughs) All right, she's ready. Ready, sweetie? Go. <clears throat> Mimi. <laughs> Three, two, one. Give me a play. What did you think of these, the open of Nitro? Man, as a what kid, do- I loved it. I mean, I could see why some people would look at it now and say it was eh. But as a kid, man, this was a hot open. And I assume that most of this was done, you know, with uh, projectors and graphics and whatnot. But this was shot right. in Orlando, right? In one of the theme parks? Yes, it was. And look, this was some good stuff. I, I really... I, I really enjoyed it. And now we're going to go to our first two-hour edition of WCW Monday Nitro. And I want to let you know, as we go to this first two-hour edition, most people realize now because of what this show meant and how historic the show was in the annals of wrestling and the Monday Night Wars, most people know it was the Macon, Georgia Coliseum, but we did not mention one time, Conrad, that we were in Macon, Georgia. Well, not one time. It makes the show seem rather small time to say you're in Macon, Georgia. Does it not from a national perspective? Yeah, it, it does. And of course, Eric, you know, did not want to uh, be seen as a Southern promotion, even though that's what we were. We were from the South. We were based in Atlanta. We were owned by, as you will come to find out, billionaire Ted. And you know what? I'm not so sure that this jacket still fits me, but uh, I'm sure it doesn't. But I do want to say that it probably took Larry Zabisco and I about 20 minutes for him to decide on that fucking shirt, a pullover with with stripes. Oh, God, I love Larry Zabisco. Absolutely loved him. We were excited. This is my first Nitro, so I was really pumped up about being part of this and excited we were going to see some good matches. And, of course, we were going to be a part of wrestling history. It's sort of uh, fun that so many people sort of associate you as the voice of Nitro. But you weren't even on the damn thing for many, many months. I mean, that's this, right. It, it's pretty crazy to think about in hindsight. 
Well, a couple of things were leading up to this. Uh, and, and as I'm, I'm watching old nitros now and watching the show, Eric Bischoff, who's the one that a lot of times would say, one of the greatest things in the history. You know, Eric said history of our sport a lot in his commentary. That motherfucker did. I get blamed for it, but he did. And I guess it's because that I was doing the announcing when when the war started and we were moving forward with the NWO. Uh, so he said that a lot, and and I and I realized that. Plus, Eric had made a uh, had made it a point to knock the other promotion, you know, to slowly you know uh, jab Vince right, left, gig him or whatever. Oh, American males, American males, American males. You know what's funny? American, when I what? see them coming out clapping like this and knowing yeah. that Buff Bagwell is now a male prostitute, I yeah. feel like he's like free sound like. Who wants the clap? I got the clap. You want the clap? Come on. Come get the clap. Cowboys for angels. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. You saw as they walked by the uh, Ric Flair set where Rick would come and have, you know, shrimp and grapes and whatever. And uh, here they go. Look at the this American shit. They look like a couple of, uh, I don't yeah, know, strippers. Male prostitutes. Do- yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah, that's what they look like. Well, the pirate but- gimmick of sorts. Yeah, uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. I, I like this. I like this set too. Our this oh, entrance way. The, the best. It's so underrated, especially at the time. By the way, I watched this this week. Uh, first yeah. of all, um, I know, how about that robe? Yeah, is that a top five robe for him? Uh, it probably would be. Uh, well, pink and flowers and the girls. Boy, he loved to show off the girls, didn't he? And of course, it, he's going to be wrestling in our first match. I, I, I think about this. Rick Flair curtain jacking. Yeah, our first two hour of WCW Monday Nitro. We got Flair wrestling in the curtain jerker. Curtain jerker. How about that? Well, I'm calling it curtain jacking when he's there because he's like <laughs> he's taking over the show here. This promo he's going to do after. I had never seen. You know, I have to admit I was not watching wrestling when this happened. I didn't get back into wrestling until I saw Hulk Hogan wearing all black in like August or September of this year. I'm flipping through the channels. Anyway, um, that robe, by the way, is a top five all time. Yeah, it is. Uh, do you know where it is right now? Do you have this robe? Yeah, it's here at the house. Do you really? Yeah. You son of a bitch. Um, yeah, that was my that was my proudest uh, flare robe acquisition until this last year. So yeah. th- this, uh, this is sort of a weird scene here because when they all come out, I thought, man, as much partying as Flair and Arn have done, you know, just all the wild living, raising hell, drinking, staying up late, flying all over God's creation, you know, five, six nights a week, taking bumps every day. Who would have ever imagined that of the four who just walked through the curtain, they would be the ones to survive and the girls would be the ones to pass away. Young. Isn't that something you just never imagined that, you know, you don't want any, you don't want to ever think about anybody dying, but these guys are older. They're heavier. There's more stress on their heart. They're drinking, raising hell, partying, they're traveling, they're taking bumps, just, you know, the wrestler lifestyle, man. And, and they outlived both of the women and the women passed away as a result of in many ways of the, of the wrestling business, horrible right? circumstances in both. Yeah. You know, just terrible, just tragic. And you just, God, you just never imagine. And then you see the referee in there. Who's also passed away. It's it, sometimes looking at this old stuff can be depressing, but thankfully we've got Scotty Riggs and, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell here to cheer us up. 
Yeah, we do, uh, because they're good-looking young men, and they actually end up having a pretty good match here for a couple of reasons, because they're good-looking, and they can bump, and they're working against a couple of masters as well. You know, you're saying all this, and don't want to press, depress you, but this just tells me how you can never predict life. Uh, you no. can never, yeah. how your life's going to turn out. Never can. Did I ever think I'd be talking about this with you? Of course no. Not. No way. Hell no. Uh, so here we are now, and, and the first match. Also... You know, this is a good place for all of this because you get a pretty good reaction from Macon, Georgia, to the horsemen. Uh, and you get a pretty good reaction, you know, from Macon, Georgia, from Ric Flair. And, you know, they, as you can see, that fan down front, man, they're, they're all Flair guys and girls here. Because it doesn't matter how big of a heel he may try to present himself. <laughs> he's It's good stuff. It is good stuff. And, you know, you've got... Um... You know, I know a lot of people sort of make fun of curtain jerkers, but the reality is this is a prime spot on the show. You know, I mean, if you're at the top of the hour on any wrestling show, it's, it's an important spot on the show. Absolutely. Flair taking some great bumps from Bagwell as well. Taking those drop kicks, bumping, (laughs) crawling on all fours, you know, as older as he got, you know, Flair and his stuff got a little bit more humorous and humorous and humorous and and that's because Flair loved to make people laugh as well as make people boo and cheer. He yeah, really did. He's been on record as saying when his physical talents, you know, started to dissipate or diminish rather, he yeah. um he really wanted to up the ante with the entertainment aspect. And I think yeah. he did that in a big way. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing with that champagne bottle. <laughs> I uh, think he was giving it to the woman, say, here, stick to the Bagwell's ass, he'd like it. And then he took the champagne bottle back. Could have been. Just freestyling here. You never know what they were saying. But, uh, again, Flair is freestyling. And here now, Marty Lundy wants to bring in Marcus Bagwell. Uh, as physically sound or as technically sound as any guy ever in the business. And Randy Anderson doing a, ooh, a great job. Saw that one coming. Look at Flair's reaction. That's just guys knew how to work back then this not is, that they don't now but they really do did know now back then i don't think hey, there's ever been an, a bad arn anderson match but arn's yep. at, at different times here you can tell is really struggling with should i sell this yeah i'm not sure about this should i sell this we take a break and and when they take a break here and they had that bug and they did the overshot shot and we come back i i now I think of the days now. He's Flair was trying to Flair was trying to go forward there at that time, but look at him. He's still shaking his fucking head. Oh God, Ric Flair. Um, I think about now in SmackDown and Raw how they have actually wrestling action during commercial breaks now, and they show it. I, I never thought you could get away with something like that. Well, I think that, it, I think it does. Uh, I mean, I think the reason they get away with it, so to speak, is because advertisers want it. Hear me out. All right. We're in a DVR time. They're not going to fast forward the commercials if you can still see the wrestling action. They're less uh, likely. Exactly. Different era. Yeah. Back back in this era, it's like, do not do anything with the commercials. Sure. Or the sponsors will get pissed. I understand that. Absolutely. Uh. So that uh, now Arn is, uh, you know, uh, of all this, we, we've talked so much about Bagwell and Arn and Rick, obviously. But, you know, I, I thought Scotty Riggs was a very underrated performer. And Scotty Riggs is a listener to WHW Monday. Oh, good. Scotty, good talking to you again, buddy. I, I thought that, and he was probably the odd man out in all this because of, you know, Bagwell being like the rookie of the year and was a great singles competitor before they became the, 
the uh, the American males. American. I just can't say American males without singing the motherfucker. Slam um, your grandma. Slam your grandma. <laughs> Patreon. Page. Oh my God! Uh, listen to you. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I just uh, I thought see Scotty could sell. Scotty did some good shit. Hey, give me some champagne, some bitch. You're never supposed to work and drink at the same time, Conrad. You do realize that, don't Bobby you? Bobby Heenan never got that memo. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. Uh, well, there was a difference between just taking a drink of champagne and drinking a whole bottle of vodka. There's a, a difference during the show. See, I thought I was throwing shade. Listen to you. Okay. Uh, but, but anyway, back in the corner here, uh, Arn Anderson doing a great job of calling. He's got his head down. He's calling spots. Uh, and he's just making things work here. And, and again, uh, kudos to Scotty Riggs because he can sell here, man. I feel like we should um, catch everybody up here that this show is going to be a rather interesting show. Yes. Because it is almost like, I don't know, WCW 95 trying to turn into WCW 97. Because this is very much a transition period where the ring looks like Nitro, the graphics look like Nitro, the set looks like Nitro, but so much of this show does really not feel like the Nitro that I remember. And 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 the catalyst for all this change is Scott Hall in a few minutes. And I guess we should sort of point out that behind the scenes, just a week prior, or you know, in the prior week, the curtain call happened. And so you saw Kevin Nash as Diesel, Scott Hall as Razor Ramon come out as good guys and bad guys together and sort of hug and acknowledge their friendship with Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Shawn Michaels in Madison Square Garden. Had you heard about this at that point? Was that a big deal in the business even outside of the WWF? If it was a big deal in the business, I did not hear about it. Uh, again, because I did not keep up with the WWF stuff. I, I didn't. I, I didn't know what the what, what was going on over there at all. Uh, maybe I should have. Enziguri in the back of the head. Getting my getting my maneuvers down here, Conrad. Enziguri in the back of the head. Uh, so, no, I, I didn't. And I'm sure with people who were following the, the business and the dirt sheet people, even the boys, uh, yeah, they were into it. But I, I did not. I was not aware of what was going on. And that's not Shivani not remembering shit. That's Shivani just not caring. Let me let me tell you something about Randy Anderson pushing Ric Flair right there. That was one of the things that Ole Anderson absolutely hated. Because Flair started taking bumps for referees, right? And Ole thought that was the one of the worst things you could do. He thought that demeaned wrestlers. Right. Uh, so anyway, but but no, I didn't. Uh, I was not aware of what was going on over there. It is sort of interesting because the narrative is it's such an important night in wrestling history. And meanwhile, here you are calling the other show fucking oblivious to it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and you know what? Why not be? Why did I have to? Why did I have to be tuned in with what the WWF had to do? Uh, it, was that important to what I was doing? No, I'm calling matches. I'm putting our guys over. I'm trying to make us bigger than life. I think if I I really think this and I, and I go back to the the. One thing that I heard Vince Scully say many, many years ago before he retired, when they asked him on an interview, a shooting interview, you know, uh, do you listen to other broadcasters? 
do you watch other baseball games? He said, no, I don't. I don't want to try to have them influence what I say. My job is to call Dodger games and have the fans get interested in the Dodgers, and that's it. My job was to call WCW, was not to react to anything the WWF did. And I don't think my counterpart, JR, was like that. I think JR was very much into what was going on with us. And I and you know, later on and years later on, I, I kind of got involved in it. There's your there's a brain buster. Um I got involved in it, but and it probably hurt my uh, my commentary. I guess we should remind everybody that we're on the heels of Slamboree, uh, nineteen ninety six. What do you remember about Slamboree, nineteen ninety six? I bet I can guess fucking nothing. Nothing. I'm glad well, that that's the case because man, this is a uh, well no good. good. Uh, chat me up about some of the things that happened and it might stir up my memory. You know, I mean, I can remember doing slamborees, but I can't really tie up slamborees to the years. You this know? is the fucking lethal lottery. Uh, one by Diamond Dallas Page. Did he win? Was that, was yes. that right? Yeah, okay. Last right. eliminating the Barbarian yeah. in the Battle Bowl to become the number one contender. I mean, the undercard is pretty interesting because you've got you know, Dean Malenko working with Brad Armstrong, Conan working with Jushin Liger. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this pay-per-view had shit like Scott Norton and Ice Train taking on Big Bubba Rogers and Stevie Ray. And Dick wow. Slater and our Earl Robert Eaton taking on Disco Inferno and Alex Wright. Wow. DDP and the Barbarian taking on Ming and Hugh Morris. Uh, VK Wall Street and Jim Duggan taking on the Blue Bloods. Uh, Rick Steiner and the Booty Man taking on Craig Pittman and Scott Steiner. <laughs> okay, yeah. No wonder I forgot this shit. That's right? what I'm saying. You block out the <laughs> fucking painful memories, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Arn Anderson uh, 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 talking to Gene Okerlund. Gene does a great job of, of reacting to all this that he's seeing here. Look and at Flair. Just look at Flair. You got to go back and watch this promo. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Hair slicked back. And, you know, it, it's it's typical Ric Flair that we know now in that Ric Flair is not paying attention to anything that's being said here. He's not. He's in his own fucking world. He didn't know what Orange just said. He was just shaking his head. He hasn't doesn't know what Gene, what Gene Oakland is talking about. He's doing his Ric Flair shit and the world be damned. Woo! That's Ric Flair who needed Ridland. But thank God during this promo he didn't get it. And now he's going to talk about the Macho Man Randy Savage. Which they were building up a pretty uh, a pretty good angle here with Savage and him taking Liz away and uh, well, it was pretty good stuff. And he's he's saying, you know, Mongo, I'm coming to get your woman. Everybody he's, thinks he's, that these girls are here because I'm a sugar daddy. Nope, Deborah McMichael's gonna be my sugar mama. Woo! And don't think if he couldn't have get away with it, he would have tried to fuck all three at one time. Well, that's the Ric Flair that we that we loved. Liz is about to give him permission. Oakland's going to say, "Don't you think uh, Rick talking like this is two timing?" And she says, yeah. "No, the champ can have whatever he wants." <laughs> and everybody goes, "Woo!" With that, it's just so, it's so. I mean, he's so fired up here. Yeah. I mean, he's just dumped champagne on his head. He's he can barely control his excitement. He looked forward to this promo more than the match by far. No question. Absolutely. When he could, when he could have the ladies around him and it, it, to him, it wasn't about wrestling. Now it was about Ric Flair 
and Ric Flair be his lifestyle. Woo! Woo! And up next, hey, a bunch of football players lifting weights. That's going to sell some tickets. And put butts in the seats on Monday Nitro. I guess we should tell everybody that Kevin Green has given them a lot of promotion here. I mean, he's going to be on the Tonight Show uh, the night after this. And they're doing this, of course, because they want as much mainstream publicity as they can. They're desperate for it here. And you're going to see more evidence of that in a minute. But the reason this is going down the way it is, is because they're trying to set up the Great American Bash on June 16th. And that's an interesting show because you've got, uh, you know, all the silliness with the NWO, but you've also got Mongo teaming. I mean, I can't believe that's even a real thing. Mongo and Kevin Green are a tag team against Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Does that yeah. not feel like that's uh I think a 20 fucking minutes. Uh, uh, we're not going to cover that show, are we? <laughs> I mean, we might if that's what they uh, want on Patreon, you know. Uh, well, I'm look. with you though. The two two football players lifting weights. I get that this is mainstream and you're trying to build publicity and whatever. But it does feel like they ought to have a wrestler giving like, but they should be tagging with a wrestler. I know Mongo is, is going to be a full-time wrestler after this. And maybe that's the purpose, but in a traditional sense, it feels like Kevin green would have sting working with him or something. Right. Right. And it's something that kind of Zabisco in his commentary. If you go back and listen to the commentary really pointed out, he said, you know, he said they, the, the football players, you know, push weights and uh, put pads on and everything, and it's different with wrestling. And, you know, he really, really brought it back to, I thought, square one with this is pro wrestling, this is not football, and this is not just about lifting weights. And I think, and I thought at this time, and I really think now, that this fucking weightlifting thing went way too long. No doubt. Jesus Christ. And I'm going to blame Neil Pruitt for that. <laughs> uh no, I'm not going to blame Neil. I like Neil. I'm going to blame. I'm going to blame Craig Leathers. You know, one of the things I notice when you when you go back and you watch these shows with a critical eye is some of these wide shots that they get when they're coming when they're setting up shots. You know, back from a commercial or about to go to the ring or about to show an entrance, they'll shoot it from an angle that makes the building look much much bigger. You know, as big as possible, but at the same time, they accidentally shoot a bunch of empty fucking seats. That would never happen at the time with WWF. I mean, they would have made sure that they had people rearranged to be in those seats or just shoot it from a different direction instead of seeing rows of 12 just empty. Well, we're getting ready to uh, to witness uh, the big moment, I guess. One of the most memorable moments ever. We can't uh, get rid of this motherfucker. Colonel Robert Parker, you know, the, uh, the Jump Rope Academy himself, yeah. He's been on every WCW show we've ever fucking covered here. We've even got, he was one of our first t-shirts. Now he's on fucking Friday nights on MLW on BN sports. And goddamn if he's not in this iconic moment in nitro history too. He's fucking yeah. everywhere. Yep. I can't get rid of the old fucker. Can you? And here is of course, Mike Enos, I guess, uh, one of the Beverly brothers was that made him famous. My, yeah. I don't know. Mike Enos and Colonel penis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the mauler is uh, yeah. Mike Enos's name here. Yeah. He's taking on Steve Dahl. What's your favorite Steve Dahl match? Well, it's right now. It's the one I remember. This is the one that made Steve Dahl famous, right? He can't get any more famous than this. 
I mean, he might could. He could do a podcast with you. It's working for me. <laughs> no, no. You you do three of them, and you promote Starcast in Chicago. Pretty excited about that. You should be. We're all excited about getting together with everybody in Chicago right before Labor Day and right before All In. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Mike Enos uh, was uh, pretty good. I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, at one time, if I recall, he was going to be like part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew too, uh, under the tutelage of Ole Anderson. So he'd been around a little while. Could do some things. It's a nice fall away slam off the second rope. That's a hot move, especially in 1996. Yes, it is absolutely did, did a lot of good stuff. Uh, and as we're getting ready to see see the, this big moment, and you'll see the fans over. You'll see the fans as on the, on the hard side look look away. I thought long and hard about this, Conrad, about what I knew and what I didn't know um, as Scott Hall is in. And again, I'm going to preface this by saying I was unaware of what happened in Madison Square Garden. I was. Didn't care. Uh, there may have been some talk in the backstage area about it. And if so, I did not. it did not ring with me. But if I recall, have you have you talked to Eric about this moment? Have you and Eric covered this moment on uh, 80, 80, 100 weeks? Or well, it's, it's 83 weeks at 83weeks.com. And yes, okay. we talked about the creation of the NWO as our very first episode. So we covered this through Hulk Hogan's turn. Okay, so did he say he smartened us up to this or we were smartened up to this moment? He did not tell the wrestlers. You guys knew that something was going to happen. You didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Exactly. And... Right. uh Larry Zabisco actually has been credited with the idea of coming through the ring because originally he was just supposed to come down the ramp. Right. And Zabisco says, you know, that kills the credibility because if he comes from the back, it's part of the show. Right. And, and of, of course, course he- in hindsight, even Bischoff would admit that maybe it was a mistake to have Hall go back up the ramp. You see Scott Hall coming down right now, followed by fans. Look at everybody standing up like, what the hell? Yeah. Here comes who they believe to be Razor Ramon walking through the crowd. And obviously it is a little bit of a giveaway here that they're shooting him. The wide shot, you know, you would just buy even this shot. But when you get tight shots of him, like you're about to hear as he climbs the railing, it becomes well, a little more apparent. Yeah. I mean, look, if I'm a director and I, and this guy walks in and someone says, Hey, Razor Ramon's in the building. I'm probably going to try to, and he goes over the, the rail. I'm probably going to try to get a shot of him. And of course he was in his full Razor Ramon, you know, rap here and talk. What we were told, what I was told, I remember was do not sell this as somebody in the ring. Right. Just make just make it feel like this show is being interrupted and you have no idea what to say. So I didn't say much. And as the show went along here, now that I'm looking at it back years later, 20 plus years later, it it came across exactly the way Eric Bischoff wanted it. It came across as if Vince was sending this guy there in our show to say, fucking enough. We've had enough of your mouth. We've had enough of you bad-talking our promotion, and I'm here to tell you, enough. And it came, it was, looking back on it, I thought it was ingenious. 
I didn't get a good feeling that night for it because I didn't really know what to say or how to say it. And I was kind of afraid that I would say too much. But looking back on it, buddy, it was it was a great show because of this. It is one of the most historic moments in wrestling history. And Meltzer put it over as such, too. He says, with the exception of the debut of Scott Hall, the first two hour Nitro telecast by WCW and 527 for Macon was almost a complete dud. A combination of bad matches, bad commentary, little hype or excitement, bad interviews and bad angles resulted in a two hour broadcast reminiscent more of a bad WCW Saturday night show as opposed to a compelling Monday or competing Monday night raw. However, amidst the attempt to cure insomnia was the debut of hall done in a manner that is almost certain to be one of the biggest money angles of the year. Hall came out first dressed in blue jeans, but everything else similar to his old razor Ramon character in the middle of a dead match between Steve Dahl and the mauler, Mike Enos. The match basically ended with no finish and hall came into the ring doing his Latino accent and acted as if he was a WWF wrestler who was here to avenge his company, knocking WCW as if it were a hillbilly promotion, talking about billionaire Ted scheme, Gene and the nacho man, all characters from McMahon parodies. The crowd was somewhat stunned by all of this with some cheering and most not really reacting out of shock from a one upsmanship category. It's the biggest strike Bischoff has pulled, including the Lex Luger debut in that he's using McMahon's own storyline parody angles that were supposed to be used against WCW. And now they're being used in WCW's biggest angle against the WWF as a way to draw money, doing a Japanese fake shoot angle to build a promotional war. Pretty tremendous that, um, this is getting over the way it has. And people knew right away, this is going to be hot. It was, it was well done. And we we were told as announcers, you know, now you got to move forward, told in our ear, you got to move forward. You can't dwell on what happened. Act like, you know, it's a unfortunate situation, but the show must go on. And I thought we did a pretty good job of doing that. Can I also say this? Yeah. Can Meltzer give any critique at all without using the word Japan or Japa fucking Would you fucking stop? Jesus Christ. I wish DDP would stop. DDP is a, a cool motherfucker in 2018, but maybe not so much right here. How would you describe DDP's look here? Well, DDP was uh, the look that, you know, he had just won Battle Bowl. So uh, he was uh, f- a poor guy uh, from the Bowery, so to speak, and was finally, uh, what, what it, what, when he makes all this money, what does he do? He dresses like uh, like a guy in a trailer would do, I guess. I don't know. I, here's what I like because, you know, I'm, I'm doing DDP yoga now. Uh, when you finish like one of his uh, stretch moves, he always goes, attention, DDP does, okay? And so now we're going to see a little, there you go, little DD, little DDP yoga before it's time right there. And he's going to hop down and do some push-ups for us. I'm thinking, yeah, baby, DDP yoga before it's time. He didn't even, he wasn't even thinking about yoga right then. It wasn't in his mind. How about but there you go. Pittman thinking he's going to one-up him and do a one-arm push-up and yeah. maybe not so much. Yeah, okay. I did one and then a half of one, and that's about it. And then a pretty good move, pretty good start to, to this match. Fans were kind of into it, and did he play? Uh, P played the part quite well here. But man, that key lime green shit just doesn't cut it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, he looks like an enhancement <laughs> guy. Yeah, you right. know, he looks like he was working down at fucking Boaz. 
But and I mean, I guess this is worth mentioning here. It's probably not. I mean, he probably doesn't have anybody helping him with his gear, and he's probably not hip to what people are watching. I don't think people know this, but DDP is the most, you know, successful ninety-three-year-old entrepreneur alive. You know, I mean, that whole yoga shit and eating organic has really worked. I mean, he just he just went to his seventy-fifth high school anniversary, high school reunion. He was the only person there. Is that something? Yeah, yeah, and he catered the whole thing. He had to eat it himself. Yeah, I mean, he made his own yeah. gluten-free waffles, right. part yeah, of one, and, and his, it was ready to roll. His own cheesy cauliflower dip, things like that is good stuff, man. I, I feel like Absolutely. I should mention, and I don't even, I think you may be in the loop on this. DDP yeah. is doing an all-in yoga workout, DDP yoga workout at StarCast. And you can actually come to StarCast and work out with DDP, and there'll probably be a couple of the boys join him, if I'm guessing. And you can get your, uh, all your information, but the actual exercise itself, he's going to actually work with you to make sure you're improving your technique and doing it to the best of your abilities. You'll come away smarter, feeling better. You'll know more about it. Uh, it's a pretty cool little workshop. You can find out all about it at starcast.com. Uh, also, uh, let, let's notice Teddy Long here. How many different uh, incarnations of Teddy Long do we go through? Well, this one ate the other Teddy Long. This is like if, if I were Teddy Long, it's like, yeah, you know, if I took over Teddy Long's body in a month, this is what he would look like. Right. right. You're trying to say Teddy a little heavy on the heavy side there. Now, Teddy is not now, but Teddy, no, right he's not. Here, was... Teddy knew where the, the buffets were. Yes. Teddy yes. knew where the good eating was. Teddy is finally on that WCW guaranteed contract money and he's <laughs> fucking eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> he found out where those endless apps are and he's wearing them out. <laughs> oh, and now that's going to lead to the diamond cutter. Boom. Fans didn't react to it there like they would uh, do in years to come. But man, it still doesn't matter to me. It still, to me, ranks as one of the great finishing moves of all time. I think it's probably the, I think it's up to that and the stunner. Probably the. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Whenever he hit the dot, and, and, and maybe even more so than the stunner, because the stunner was really set up the exact same way every time. Kick you in the gut and give it to you, and you want to see him do it. But Paige really took pride in, I'm going to come up with creative ways to hit it. Yeah, because that diamond cutter can hit you from anywhere, bro. Self-high-five. And now we're going to do something with a macho man. Go back and listen to this thing here. Uh, it was really, uh, I don't know if Pruitt put this, put this together or not, but the commentary and the sound of this was really not well done, but we did a very good job of portraying the macho man Randy Savage as a fucking nut here. Uh, and uh, so now, see, look at this. I mean, he's going to push referees. He's going to, you know, elbow a drop. It didn't matter to him. You know, he fucking hit you. And here, this guy, uh, this guy's name is Rob Garner. And Rob was an old JCP, Jim Crockett Promotions employee. Uh, that worked with Jimmy for a long time and moved to Dallas with Jimmy when the promotion moved there, and he was still working in WCW. So Rob Garner was a good guy. Meltzer really uh, did not dig this show. Surprise. Yeah. So Even the, um, the promo that I enjoyed so much with Ric Flair, he says, perhaps the most embarrassing was the interview with, of all people, Ric Flair, who had been doing some of his best work in recent years of late. Flair, when talking about McMichael and Green, said that Commissioner Pete Rozelle, who hasn't been the commissioner since the mid-80s, 
Mm-hmm. Needed to save McMichael and Green by stopping the match and then quoted the words of a 20-year-old forgettable song called Afternoon Delight as if it were something current. Furthering the image, WWF attempted to create this year of WCW as a behind-the-times promotion. I was scared to death he was going to bring up President Ford. Yeah. By the way, well, let me just say this. I know that the song is old as shit, but Ric Flair as he pours champagne on himself and is having an aneurysm to be with these women singing afternoon delights, hilarious, but not as hilarious as this promo. Take it away. Jesus Christ. All right, we're, uh, I don't know what's going to buy here, but let me ask you something, John Tenta, before I go, uh, whew, somebody fart. Uh, what the fuck happened to your fucking chin? Well, here's what happened to my fucking chin. Okay. Take it away. I ate it. I ate everything in New York, and now I'm down here to eat everything in Atlanta. You know why I'm down here? Because I fucking suck when I'm not the earthquake. They don't know what to fucking do with me. They got a whole committee back there. What the fuck is Kevin Sullivan doing? Trying to get Chris Benoit off his wife? Why can't yeah. Eric Bischoff come up with something for me? Greg Gagne, did every did the best part of you wipe off on your daddy's sheets? What the fuck do you have me doing here? I've got teeth painted on my fucking face. I'm supposed to be a sumo monster, and instead you dress me up like a fish! Like a goddamn fish! Well, let me say here, uh, uh, John, uh, that uh, it's just a gimmick. You're going to get paid tonight. Uh, and obviously, you're just too fat, really, to go in the ring. I'm not too fat to go in the ring, Scheme Gene. I fucking made a in a goddamn SummerSlam. Now I'm over here with these slab dicks. They're going to cut my fucking hair. I'm not happy about this shit, but it beats bagging groceries. Yeah. Let's go back to the ring as, uh, yes, it's going to be Earthquake. Uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, the Shark. Uh, I don't know. John Tenta. But... Uh, and now a little Hulk Hogan gimmick. This was for to give Hulk Hogan and us the the rub, right? This is awful, though. Hulk Hogan yeah. is a celebrity, the likes of which professional wrestling has never seen. Wait until you see all the celebrities who also are fans of Hulk Hogan. Here's Three. Hulk Hogan grunting to death. And here is George Foreman punching him over the rights to the lean, mean grilling machine. Unfortunately, Hogan didn't answer the call, and he got pasta mania and butt stuff instead. Here's Shaquille O'Neal tearing his shirt off. Isn't it impressive when a seven-foot man can tear cotton? Shaquille O'Neal sure could. Here's Dennis Rodman. Clearly the biggest heel in basketball, but WCW's so desperate for attention, he's a babyface. And as if that weren't enough, here's Kevin Green, who looks like he works at a flea market. Maybe he is battling for Gravitron's job. Will he get it? Oh, yeah, he will. You know exactly what we're doing at WCW. We're trying to convince you that we're significant. We're even going to get a man with so much CTE, he can barely function with sentences. Wait until you hear all the fantastic promos that Sugar Ray can cut. He just says, this is the Hulkster. Listen. That's his closing line. Listen. I don't know why anyone else listened, but I know that Eric Bischoff thought this shit made Hulk Hogan cool. Little did he know, Hogan sucked dick by this point. (laughs) Woo! Well said, my round friend. Well said. Six weeks later, he's the fucking hottest act ever. And right. right here, they are so desperate to convince you he's a big deal 
They're trying to show all these other celebrities who grew up on it. By the way, they got fucking burnt up by the pyro. Did you see that? That's exactly the highlight of the whole show. A cameraman stands there, is engulfed in flames, and realizes, oh, goddamn. (laughs) That is us. And now we're getting ready to go to hour number two. Aren't we? Or are we? Yes, we are. And now, instead of being ringside, they're going to a stage. And this Mm -hmm. is the first time we see this set up here, right? First time we see this set up, and I want to I tell you what, I'm Eric Bischoff along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby, I tell you what, I'm just, uh, I'm not going to respond to what we've seen. Well, Bischoff, uh, right now I'm happy. I'm very happy about the promotion. I'm very happy about being here because I know the Macho Man is here, and I know Hulk Hogan is here. I know Mean Gene is here, and I'm here. Right now I'm happy. But wait until you see me in about four or five years from this. I'm going to be real fucking pissed off. Well, by that time, we're going to fire your ass is what we're going to do. And also, we do need to say that as far as him calling me a Ken doll, what the fuck's he talking about? I can probably beat him in a shoot fight. I will fucking spin kick him in the fucking oblivion because, as you know, Sonny Ono and I are real black belts. Let's go to the ring. It's um, It's a weird time in WCW, man, because you've got like – you know, I mean, a Ric Flair match, and then you've got the Scott Hall thing, and then DDP's giving somebody a diamond cutter, and now yeah. fucking this. And Earthquake, yeah. John Tenta, <clears throat> man, I was so sold on Earthquake as a kid. I mean, he was the super villain to me, but when he comes over here, man, this is just fucking embarrassing, is it not? Well, the, uh, what we're doing here is is trying to... Hogan is going back to things that made him successful back in the WWF and trying to recreate those and restart those. And I mean, he had, he had the giant now that he could work off. He had earthquake back. You really thought back when you were a kid that earthquake was the evil villain. He was really over with you. He nearly killed Hulkamania. He squashed him on the brother love show. I had to like write a letter. I was trying to get this bracelet to save Hulkster. I mean, tugboat was encouraging Hogan and, I really need a tugboat to help Hulkamania get it together. Wow. It really had an impact on your life, huh? It did. And then you guys fucking ruined it here. How about uh, the giant sporting the big gold belt and it's buckled up. A lot of people, um, you know, probably remember him like a lot of others, just sort of putting it over the shoulder, but giant sporting the big gold belt. It doesn't even look big on him. It looks the appropriate size. Yep. It fit the giant perfectly. And I just cannot get over the sh- uh, John Tenda here with this fucking. It look. Uh, it looks like the. It looks like the Steiners got him with a sharpie. Well, it's not in his asshole. So yeah, no. You know but what? it look. It looks that way. That belt has seen better days, right there. That thing has tarnished like a some bitch, and it's not like the Giants cleaning. Look at the bend on the top of it. Yeah. So here's what's fun to me to see a young Big Show here. I mean, looks like a different person, but also too. You know, I think about the way some of this comes together, like John Tenta, knowing that he was main eventing and a really big deal for the WWF. And now he's here and I'm sure he's you know glad to be on TV and, and have, you know, a prime spot here in, in a world title match on live TV and a paycheck. But when he's painting his fucking face in the mirror, he's got to be like. Look yeah, what the, what the fuck yeah, what, am I doing? Right. Yeah, look, John Tenta as Earthquake 
is and you're talking about the brother love show and where he you know he killed he squashed Hulkamania. Uh, that's back when the angles meant something on TV. Now we're trying to make matches mean something on TV, right? Yeah, and it, it just it just doesn't work for a character like him. I guess we should mention he made uh, two hundred and thirty nine thousand dollars this year, nineteen ninety six for WCW. Wow! So there you go. That's pretty good living, I think, in nineteen ninety six. Don't you? I'm not complaining. You're a champion oh. here, the Giant. And guess what he made? No, two thirty eight. Wow! He made a thousand dollars less than John Tenda. Yep. And he had the strap. Uh, Pittman made $99,683. Yep. DDP, you got a guess for 1996? Uh, $300,000. $149. Okay. I said that facetiously because I knew he was a friend of Eric. This is a pretty good spot here, picking up John, uh, the big guy, putting him down. It is because, you know, right there they're saying, you know, on the way to the ring, he weighed almost 450 pounds. And now, of course, they're saying... He weighs well over 500, maybe 525, 530. Yeah. He's probably legitimately, what, 380? Yeah, every bit. And, of course, you know, again, that fucking shitty commentary that's going on in the second hour. Fuck. I love you for that. That makes okay. me so happy. <laughs> that shitty commentary. I tell you what. I tell you what. I tell you what. I tell you what. Eric, what? I'll tell you what. What? Well, tell me, Eric. God damn it. Wait, he says I tell you what a lot? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. I, I sort of get the feeling that you're like, um, I don't know, not a big fan? Of no, no, no. I just, no. I am a big fan. I just like, I just like having fun with this. Since I get ripped on a lot, why not? Right? I'm not arguing that. Yeah. Okay. But I tell you what, this was a slow match. <laughs> slow but it's it's what uh it's what we got for these two guys in the the size and you know we started the broadcast uh, i think about 8 50 uh before right before raw came on so we wanted to be uh on the air and doing something before uh wwf raw came on i mean it really it's a good strategy yeah it is this this, this whole night this whole night's a good strategy, if you think about it. Well, I don't know about the whole night. I mean, okay, ten, well. Tenta with the Giant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're, you're, you're saying the positioning of this match. Ugh, that's pretty brutal. Thank God, <laughs> thank God Jimmy Hart came up on that. Uh, and uh, Tenta's going to, knowing the choke slam Come is coming on, here. Shit, baby. I'm gonna climb this top rope. You choke me, baby. Come on, baby. Now come over here. Choke me, baby. Come on. Choke slam is pretty much over then because the fans are standing. They knew it was coming. Yes, sir, baby. Show the giant's ass. One, two, three. Let's see that asshole, baby. Come on. Let's see that giant asshole, baby. <laughs> so, you know, you. This is a weird deal here. How would you describe Ray Trailer's look here? He's got leather oh, pants. Yeah. He's got uh, wristbands. He's got a bandana around his elbow. He's yeah, got sunglasses, he's chains, and literally, yeah. when I saw it from this angle, I'm like, yeah. he doesn't have rings on every finger. That's not Ray Trailer. Nope, no, he, he does. Yeah, he looks, like a, he looks like a bouncer at a gay bar, doesn't he? How do you know what bouncers at gay bars look like? That's what I've been told. 
I don't they know. look like. I don't know what that means. How about okay. he just happens to carry around uh, head trimmers, hair trimmers, and he's shaving half the head. Yeah. Not the whole head. Half right. the head. Yeah. I mean. And, and Eric goes on to say, this is the ultimate embarrassment you can give a pro wrestler. No, the ultimate embarrassment you can give a pro wrestler is cut his pay. Uh, but God mighty. Ray Trailer. Yeah, baby. I mean, let's run through this. A few years prior, these were top acts for Vince McMahon with the big boss man and the earthquake. I don't know what the fuck this is, but now we've got slow motion. Max walking to the ring. And of course, there's the uh, Mm. total package. Lex Luger posing off. What'd you think of this uh, shaving half the head gimmick? Uh. By that time, uh, I was gone. <laughs> I mean, Macon's not too far away from my house, so and I'm off the air. See ya. Uh, here's Max Muscle, or Max Double X, if you will. Former, uh, I guess, he and DDP were, uh, he was DDP's uh, bodyguard at one time, or I don't know if that happened before then or after then, but another kid out of the power plant. You know, when you do a scan of young kids in the audience like this, first thing I think of, all these all these kids now are like 20, 25-year-old punks, 30-year-old punks, doing, probably doing podcasts somewhere. The total package Lex Luger and Max, boy, the, you know, I have to agree with Meltzer on this. This was not for uh, actual wrestling in a show, this was not a good show for wrestling. The opening match was very good, but my God, we just had the Giant against the Shark, and now we're going to have Max Muscle against Lex Luger. Holy shit. And then later we're going to have Sting against Scott Steiner, uh, and they're going to do an angle out of that. But anyway, as you can see the cameramen are, are cueing the kids on what to do, either thumbs down or L for loser. I don't know why they were doing L for Loser with Lex Luger, but that's what they were doing. How about the uh, the pyro on the ring post, huh? I mean, that's ahead of its time. Yes, it is. You know, it's it's more than a year before the WWF would do it for Kane. How would you describe Max's look here? Uh, well, I would say he looks like a bouncer at a gay bar, but then you'd say, well, how do you know what bouncers at a gay bar look like? But uh, Why do you keep saying that? Well, you know, he looks like he, he tries to look like something out of uh-huh. Mad Max, something futuristic with his hair shaved on on both sides. Wait, so if you shave both sides of your head, it's futuristic? Yeah, for 1996 it is. Was, now I, it's just regular shit. I was going to call his look steroid chic. Now, oh, okay. here's, here's what's fun to me. Yeah. You could tell he's just freshly shaved his hair because the, he's com- he's completely tan except for right where his hair was. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it's funny about hairdos back in 1996, you know? I mean, think about this. Remember Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Pee-wee's hairdo? Yeah. A lot of a lot of, you look down and you would go, what the fuck is that? And a lot of kids now have Pee-wee's hairdo. Now, here in 2018, they have Pee-wee's hairdo. So you just never know what's going to become chic, what's going to become fabu, as Jim Barnett would say. That's fabu, my boy. 
I mean, didn't didn't I mean, wasn't Pee Wee Herman's haircut just a Caesar? Well, yeah, I guess it was. But it looked nerdy back then, and now it's cool. And I I don't know what what is it? a Caesar? They actually have names for haircuts. Yeah, I mean, okay. Pee Wee was sort of rocking a Caesar. Okay, rocking a Caesar. Okay, what would you call uh, Luger's haircut? Hmm, cowardly lion. Okay. <laughs> and we have a lot of southern mullets in the stands. Yes. Uh, and uh, there's a difference between just a mullet and a southern mullet. Uh, believe you me. Well, the southern that, the southern mullet is a little greasier. And the yeah, the and the southern mullet is just you know right out of Boaz, Alabama. Hmm. You know what? I, I just googled southern mullet. Throw that in your Google yeah. machine. Okay. The first hit you're going to get is Joe Dirt. <laughs> Very cool. Absolutely. Uh, again, just uh, a brutal match. Luger's forearms were, bless his heart, were terrible. Uh, but he looked the part, and fans were really into it. I mean, we had, he had two guys who would stand up during this match, and you'll see them on the hard, uh, away from the hard camera there. You see one of the stripes and one of the, I mean, they were just really into Lex Luger. They wanted the torture rack. They wanted to see his power. And so that told me that Lex was not the greatest talker, was not the greatest worker, but he was fucking over. So explain to me how he got over. It's hard to explain, isn't it? Isn't it really hard to explain? No, I don't think so. I mean, you guys gave him a push. You gave him a yeah. push because he looked good, and he thought, man, this can be our Hulk Hogan. Okay, this can so be our ultimate you, warrior. But instead saying, of saying, we know something mean, Gene, he pointed his finger and his thumb, and he said, intestinal fortitude. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, look, he was... <laughs> But so we could have given Max Muscle the same push and he would have been over too. That's the way pushes work. You push a guy. Okay. I mean, listen, it's true. Yeah. You guys, and don't get me wrong, there is a lot of talent that has to be there, but there's a lot of guys who have talent that we never really see. Yeah, you're right. Because they're just, you know, for whatever reason, not the favorite son. Luger here. You want to guess what he made for 1996? Wow. He probably made a half a million dollars. 443. That's pretty yeah, good. There you go. Doesn't surprise me at all. Old Max Muscle. You got a guess for what he made in 1996? Oh, uh, he didn't even make $90,000. He did not. He made 31. Wow. Can you imagine this? I'm I'm Max Muscle and I'm wrestling a guy who's making over $400,000 more than I am. Well, Man. in fairness, how many tickets did Max Muscle sell? I agree. I agree. But some guys may think of that and say, you know what? I'm just going to try to just cinch him up and make him hurt a little bit. I'm going to lay in a forearm just a little bit snugger than normal to this motherfucker. Some guys would think like that. You want to guess what Bagwell made in 96? Uh, he probably made 150000 136. What about Scotty okay. Riggs? Uh, he probably made like 95. 51. Okay. So there was probably a little dissension within the American males because I know, I'm sure, that Bagwell let Scotty Riggs know how much he made. What about Nature Boy? Oh, my God. There's another half million, maybe $800,000. Five thirteen nine. Okay. What about Arn? Uh, three fifty. Two hundred, almost on the nose. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Don't you think that that's, that's a crime right there? Your main event is going to have Scott Steiner. You want to uh -huh. guess? 
Scott Steiner made uh, three hundred thousand. Sting made five hundred thousand. One fifty six for Whoa. Scott Steiner. And um, this is clearly not the real number. Seventy two thousand for Sting. What? <laughs> no. No, seventy-two thousand. Yeah, when you add up the licensing and merch, it was eighty-seven grand. But clearly, that means he had some other deal going on that's not disclosed here. Yeah, apparently, apparently not. Good God, that just to me that just takes all the numbers that you just gave me and brings them all them in the question. Yeah, puts them in the shitter. Okay, fans are responding to this. You can't pick him up. Oh shit! Come on, come up with me, you son of a bitch. There we go. And Max Muscle is in the torture rack, and he gives up, and Luger wins again. And the fans were into it, man. Fans were into it. Luger did a pretty good job of selling the fact that he got a big guy up by falling down. Kind of a small thing. But uh, the fans are into the total package, Lex Luger. Oh, who, by the way, we're going to be treated with an interview in the ring here in just a moment as well. I'm excited about you covering this. Well, you know, I, I've, I've thought about it. We're going to get schemed, uh, Mean Gene into the ring. Uh, and... Uh, we're going to be pitching him in just a moment as we got to do that wide shot again. All right. Let's go to Mean Gene. Thanks, Eric. I'll tell you what. How many times have you said I'd tell you what in one broadcast, but that doesn't matter? And how many more times are you going to shit on Vince McMahon? That doesn't matter. And we do not want to talk about Scott Hall, Razor Ramon coming in here. But I do want to talk about this man. And I'm wasting plenty of time so he can catch his breath. And I don't know if that will even do it because he's pretty blown up right now. The total package, Lex Luger. Lex, you got the television strap around your waist. You and Sting are good friends. And I want to let you know that the fans here in Macon really respond to you. Thanks, Gene. Give me a few moments to get my breath. Okay, we'll give you a few moments to get the breath. We've got the Great American Bash coming up in Baltimore. We can say Baltimore, but we can't say Macon. Gene, I just want to let you know that fans have been – talking to me and asking me about my right hand. Now, I'll point to myself with my thumb into my peck, as you can see, and I will also draw a line here. Hang on a second. I'm going to draw a line with that right finger. All right. We want you to draw a line with the right finger, but we do want to go back and take a look at some footage of the giant putting you through a table with Ric Flair going apeshit. Yow! Through the table you went. And, you know, most of the boys said that, you know, this guy will not take a bump like this, but I... Uh, obviously disagree. This happened two weeks ago. We're going to show it in slow motion. You took actually took a pretty good bump there. Well, I don't like to take bumps, as you know. I don't like to do blade jobs. I'm going to draw a line with my finger. There you go. I don't like to do things that the guys like to do, but you make half a million dollars a year, but that's okay because I look good and I can draw a line with my hands. Here it goes. Whoa, right over. That was kind of an arc, Gene. That wasn't a line. That was an arc. So we'll put that one down in the shitter, and I'll draw a line with my thumb and finger here. As you know, I cannot point without having my thumb opening up. There you go. My thumb is up. It's open. I don't know. I guess I'm dyslexic, but the fact is I make a lot of money. Thank you very much. The total package, Lex Luger. Yes, he can take a bump. He doesn't want to do a blade job, but he can take a bump, and he makes half a million dollars this year. Right now, we're going to be going back with more WCW Monday Nitro in just a moment. Vince, I'm glad of where I am right now. It was a pretty good bump that Luger took. Oh, hard work, Bobby Walker. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Shout uh, out to hard work, Barbie Walker, for being part of this discrimination lawsuit in 2000. Now, that's actually what made all of this compensation information we've ran through here possible. 
uh, a fella named David Bixenspan okay. and Chris Harrington actually compiled all the information going through all these court documents painstakingly one after another. So shout out to David and Chris for helping make that possible. But the real kudos go to old hard work Bobby Walker, who sued and uh, won a bunch of money here. And I guess um, it's probably his claim to fame, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? I would think, am I right to say, if I remember, that he got his money after the WCW was bought by WWF? Is that right? Uh, In other yeah. words... He didn't get it from Turner Broadcast, and I guess he got it from Vince. It's reported that he received a large payout, but the April 3rd, 2001 ruling would be that WCW had not committed fraud or breached the contract of the plaintiffs. And uh, he did say that the discrimination lawsuit could proceed, but by that point, the WWF owned it. So right. you're exactly right. Vince is the guy who ultimately had to write the check. And the lawsuit alleges... And I guess we should mention Hardbody Harrison, who was a pimp in prison, and Sonny Ono, um, who once used to pimp Eric Bischoff, were also a part of this lawsuit. And uh, Walker stated that Caucasian opponents were told to make him look bad and that he was told he would never be a champion and that he was paid less than a lot of the white wrestlers. He says that the black wrestlers were made to look obnoxious, pompous, and shiftless. And, um, I can only imagine if John Tenta was black, what sort of windfall he would have gotten as they made him paint <laughs> fucking teeth on his face and shave his head to me. Yeah. If I was arguing on the other side, I'd say, oh yeah. What about this shit? Look what yeah. they're doing to this guy. Yeah. Well, I would also show this match too, because Brad Armstrong, who is a consummate pro as the entire family was, um, made hard work. Bobby Walker look good here. And on our first Nitro and put him over. Even when Bobby would try to do his high risk shit and we would slip off the top rope doing it. Bobby could do a lot of pretty good things. But when I, Sonny Uno gets involved in this lawsuit and, you know, the lawsuit's done now, I know, but doesn't this just seem to you to, to kind of smack of a guy's knowing that the ship is going downhill or, and the ship is sinking, and there's not going to be any money for me in the next couple of years, and I better get all of it I can. Yes. Out of it. Yes. Yeah. See, Bobby Bobby landed on his feet that time. Now watch this. He slips. Whoa! But he has some pretty good stuff. Whoa. You know, no, nobody else did shit like that. I don't know why, but you going, whoa! <laughs> Tickles me. Uh, I'll do it again here in a minute. Whoa. Why is that fun for me? Yeah, I don't know. Good arm drag, takeover, man. Uh, uh, driving the knee down. Bobby was in the power plant. Whoa. He could, wow. <laughs> he could do some things. You suck, <laughs> bitch. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. We're just having fun. And there's still like 30 minutes to go on this fucking show. Whoa. Uh, and now Nick's going to remind Bobby, Bobby, you know where the hard cameras are, and Brad's going to know where they are. Drop to a hold. And now into an arm bar. This is where we are. We're calling matches now. <laughs> We're calling matches. This is, uh, you, got any, you got, any more, uh, got any more numbers you can throw out at me? What was hard work Bobby Walker making? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because, Thank you. You know, the reality is... Uh, you, 
we've talked about some of the silliness in here. Yeah. But that's not in the deal here. Like it's not disclosed what he made. That's what he was suing for. Uh, oh, but Armstrong, um, he's in here. Okay. Let me find him here. Uh, Brad probably made, unfortunately, Brad probably made like $35,000 knowing what they thought of Brad Armstrong, which was wrong because the kid could perform. $54,349. Jesus. Well, you do realize he was was the goddamn candy man at one time, and he was a rockin' man, so that should have been worth something. He'd do anything, man, and and Brad could give you a great match and put Bobby Walker over. My mistake. Bobby Walker made seventy thousand twelve dollars. Oh motherfucker! He made twenty thousand more than Brad Armstrong. Can you believe it? And he's just a basically he's a student out of the power plant. He uh, he filed suit against World Championship Wrestling, TBS, and Terry Taylor, who's the person who told him he'd never win a title in July of ninety eight, and it was dismissed in January of ninety nine. And then he filed a racial discrimination suit in February of two thousand. And it was settled in July of 03. Hmm. So Bobby Walker uh, probably got a pretty damn good payday. He's going he's gonna to go up top again and slip. And whoa! And a cover. And get the win. He got the win here. He got the win. You know the, you know the, the, the common denominator nominator and all this bullshit is? Nobody was fucking it? cared. I mean, look, yeah. the, the crowd goes mild. The, right. there's, there's polite applause, but it's because it's over. Yeah. The thing of it is, is that when you, uh, you mentioned Terry Taylor's name. Okay. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Is it Terry, time to shit on Terry Taylor? Yeah. Let's shit on Terry. He didn't learn. He's never learned to shut up. Never learned to shut up. And if he had learned to shut up, there may not have been a lawsuit. Fucking red rooster. Why do you think so many people hate Terry Taylor? Uh, I don't know so many people hate Terry Taylor, just the no. people that know him. Oh. Oh. Here's Eric Bischoff's son. When he was a wee little punk Wait, kid. That was really Garrett Bischoff? That's Garrett Bischoff, yep. It sure was. Holy shit, I had no idea. Yeah, really? You didn't know that was Garrett? No, I, I saw the yeah. commercial and made fun of it. Right. But I had no idea that was Garrett Bischoff. And here's Garrett, oh, with paint on. WCW Magazine on newsstands everywhere. Well, uh, I guess it's come down to, do we have the main event yet? No, we're not Not there. We got more dumb shit to get there. Uh, Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, It may be dumb shit, but he was really, Regal did such subtleties. He was so good at, like, the smoke that he was coming through. Jeeves, you know who Jeeves is. I've mentioned this before. That's Wildcat Willie. Uh, our mascot that he would use as Jeeves. You know, he looked over at the Ric Flair set up there uh, and uh, thumbs down to Lord Stephen Regal, but that lady wants thumbs up. Love Steve Regal, man. You know what's funny is we always talk about Arn Anderson as being a guy who has been the same age for 30 years. I feel like Steve Regal here was 42, and he's still 42. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's really like 24 here. By the way, he's coming out here with Barnett's favorite wrestler. Yes, sir. I'll let you do some commentary here. Das Wunderkin, Alex Wright, and I will wear the key lime pants, and I will wear the big codpiece, 
and it will show off my joint, and you will like it. Oh, flip-flop in the ring. I just came from the back where Jim Barnett put the Colts on me. And now I'll go up against... <laughs> I can't do this shit without laughing. Steve Arigo. Wrestle with me, Steve Arigo. Look at my rear end. Look how it looks in the key lime pants. <laughs> I have a nice, tight, German rear end. Did you, did you say German rear end? <laughs> from, the, from the motherland or the fatherland or both, whatever you want to call it. The fatherland. It's the fatherland? I thought it was the motherland. I didn't know there was such a thing as the fatherland. <laughs> I know now. I didn't know. Okay. Good go behind. Good on drag takedown. But let me pull host hoist my ass up in the air because it's key lime, as you know. There it is. It's up in the air for everybody to see. Why, I'm gonna well why are you saying why are you calling his ass a flavor? <laughs> it's that's what the color is. It's key lime. It's not a flavor. It's a color. No, col- key lime's not a color. You're, you're yes, it is a color, too. No, you're, there's, that's like yellow or green. Yeah, it's not a color. Yes, there's a color called lemon, too. There's a color orange. It's also a fruit. I just can't believe it. You've, 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 uh, you've ruined my momentum here. Where was oh, I? I don't mean to. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I roll through, and I kip up, and I roll through again, and yes, back in the fatherland <laughs> with my key lime trunks and my cod piece, and right now Jim Barnett is back in the men's room uh, whacking off somewhere. Good headlock takedown, and another one. Ooh, down he goes. Yes, back in my home country, I was a big star. What does he do now, by the way? Does anybody know? Does he still wrestle? No, I don't think so. But, I mean, he has done stuff not too terribly long ago. But, um, you know, it is one of those sort of what ifs. I mean, at this yeah. point, he's only 43 years old now. Uh-huh. And, and by comparison, you know, because I know a lot of people think of him as being like from a different era. AJ Styles is 40. You know what I mean? So Alex Wright is not like this old dude. Yeah. Alex Wright, I thought... I thought if Alex Wright, oh my God, screeching hard here, is his old commentary ninja. Prepare yourself for Guaysha. That's right. Blood runs cold. We spent millions of dollars on this shit. You would think that we would have somebody that could play the part. Glacier coming to WCW. Hey! Alex Wright's a wrestling promoter now for new European championship wrestling in Germany for, I guess, like nine years. Here's what I think about Alex Wright. Had Alex Wright gone to the WWF at this moment, he would have been a big star. They would have made him into something. Don't you think? They could have. I, I, I just think the kid looked too good and did, did some good stuff. I mean, he did. I, I, I was always amazed that, you know, I mean, of course, you know, with – we made him Berlin, and we changed his character. And But I just always thought that there's something could have been done with Alex Wright, and we just kind of missed the boat on that. Yeah. And I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, but I just feel we could have. 
Too bad. He would have been a big star with the WWE. It is too bad because I think a lot of people share that same opinion that he would have been a big star. And you look at almost everybody else, you know, that we've seen tonight in one way or another, they were, you know, I mean, Regal was there, had some success, obviously Alex Wright, of course, did not, but he's the exception. You know, Scott Steiner was there. Sting was there, although it was much later, you know, the giant, uh, you know, it's weird yeah. though. There's like, there's certain guys that are just really just WCW guys. I mean, buff Bagwell was there for a cup of coffee, but buff could have been a big deal there too. Buff. Yeah. You know what? Buff was uh, a difficult guy. No, I know he was. I'm not, I'm saying attitudes aside. I'm not, I'm right. not, say, not saying that, you know, he need, he was going to get it the way he was. I mean, I do think you have to, right. You get what I mean? Right, just so much we could do, we could do with with Alex Wright that we didn't do, but uh, again, you know, Regal does such a good job of making everything look so legit. I mean, he was uh, on the other side there. You know, Regal, just everything he did. You know, we've we've seen the match with he and Fit Finley, the famous match from Uncensored. But be that as it may, being that a shoot match, every every other match, everything looked good, man. Yeah. I mean, look, how many? Uh, what did what did uh, what did our buddy Meltzer think about this? Was this close to anything in Japan style no, wrestling he, for he him? Was, he wasn't rating matches on TV like this. Oh, he wasn't. Okay, no. I mean, he does say that um, Regal and Wright on paper should have been a good match, but it wasn't. But that's, okay, that's all he says. All right, all right. Uh, you you will like this because I know you're obsessed whenever he talks about Japan. He's going to talk about the. Uh, the Scott Steiner match, and he says Steiner wrestled like he was in New Japan, and the fans yeah. in Macon need a few decades to catch up to that. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, holier than now, and way above because I'm from California, which is closer to Japan than Macon, Georgia. He gave this match that we're watching right now yeah. a star and a quarter. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't spend a lot of time like. Right well, you know, sometimes I, I think, you know, you can look at matches and say, you know what, it's not a good match because the show's not been good. And here I'm watching now, you know, an uh, hour and a half into the show or so, or not, a little bit over an hour into the show, uh, not including commercial breaks. And the show sucks. So this match just sucks with it. But this match is pretty technically sound. It really is. I mean, both guys are doing a lot of good stuff. They messed up that spot a little bit, but uh, they're they're and they messed up that spot. Well, never mind. <laughs> well, there's a good drop kick though, but they did some pretty good things in this match, and it's it's, it's tough to shit on a match when you know I don't know how long the match went. I'm sure it didn't go you know much more than five or six minutes. Uh, in the allotted time, they did some pretty good things. It's a fun story that they're telling here, you know, with um, the wrestling. I was always a big fan of of Steve Regal, and I know that he didn't really like the match, but any, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm like you in that I'm fascinated with Regal's matches. He he adds an air of believability. I was never a huge Alex Wright fan, but I certainly saw what other people saw, and that he could have been, especially when you consider how young he is here. You know, we're talking about a guy who's 43 now, and this show. It's 22 fucking years ago. So yeah, it seems crazy to believe, but this dude's 21, you know, 
Yeah, oh, and uh, it, it is crazy. And he looked good, and it was there was a lot of good things in this match. I just uh, I don't understand why. I'm almost kind of <laughs> when I go back and look at this now, and I see Randy Anderson talking to Steve Regal. I almost wonder if that really was the finish. If Regal just said, "Let's end it fucking now," I'm tired of it. You know, Regal was a perfectionist, and I guess that's what makes him makes him so good with NXT and doing what he's doing, because if there was one bad thing uh, in the match, uh, he was very upset about it. He, he he likes perfection. So he probably just says, I'm just going to pin his ass right here and get it over with. And in reality, Alex Wright couldn't have gotten out of that if it was a shoot fight. Right. All right. We had PlayStation as a sponsor back then, man. How about that? It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, not kidding. It's a big deal. Absolutely, it's a big deal. All right. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit, Steve Regal, about uh, the state of the WWE right now because, as you probably know, SmackDown's going to move to Fox for a billion dollars. Not a million, a billion dollars. You're trying to tell me that Fox is paying a billion dollars and my salary is still going to be $20,000 a year? What the fuck is wrong with this picture, you little bold fuck? Let me say this. SmackDown moving to Fox for a billion dollars just again proves the point that I have trained wrestlers the right way. That I have taken wrestlers down at the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, regardless of that fucking Terry Taylor working with us, and made them into the stars they are today. The fact is, I tell all the stars this. Bust your ass. Make sure that your character is good. Work hard. Make sure you're always in shape. Work on your promos. But in the end, Vince McMahon will make all the money, not you. Thank you very much, Lord Stephen Regal. I know these people don't give a shit about that. And I don't give a shit about that because right now, by the time he made a billion dollars, I was about 85 years old and looking every bit of it. Well, let me say this, you bald, short motherfucker. SmackDown will be moving to Fridays, and that means that we will be in direct competition with Major League Wrestling on BN Sports on Fridays, and that's fine with us because our announcers is not a fat, round, little, sawed-off fuck whose time has come like Tony Schiavone. And do I need to say anything more? Shivani says he's my friend, but fuck him. And while I'm at it, Gene, fuck you. Okay, I get it. Fuck me. Fuck you. And that's the way it is from Lord Stephen Regal. Well, uh, we have a lot more to come, including our main event. And that's up next. Can you believe there's going to be a billion dollars for SmackDown? I can. Uh, really? Well, let's run through that. And, and I want to really talk about this. A billion, a billion dollars? Yeah, and I'm about to blow your mind. Let me look at this here. Have you and Bruce talked about this? Yep. All right, so here we go. You and I, when we debut our show. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. When we debuted our show, the stock price for WWE was $19.50. Okay. A year and a half later. You and I have gotten the stock price to $58.08. They have experienced three times growth 
based on what you and I have done for this company personally. I'm taking all the credit for us. All right. $19.50 is where they started. So that's like, I'm going to call that, um, I'm going to call that BC before Conrad and Tony. Okay. And now we'll call that, uh, after uh, a WHW after WHW. They're at $58 and eight cents. Wow. You know, I think we, you know, you, you probably can't do this because you and Bruce have sold out, but I think we ought to just go up to Titan Towers and, and get a meeting and say, motherfucker, look what we've done for you. Motherfucker. You, you know, you can do the, all the business talking. All right. And all the, uh, the, uh, the money and everything. So and I'll, I'll just sit I'll, there and say, mother, I'll just sit there and say, motherfucker. Right. Well, that makes sense to me. You just say something. I'll say, yeah, motherfucker. And then you say something else. I say, yeah, motherfucker. You know, it's all the way you say motherfucker. Is it? I mean, you, yo, yeah. I mean, you can say motherfucker or motherfucker or motherfucker. It's just the way, you know, the inflections. I mean, but when you think, I mean, if you've had somebody say, you know what, guys, we want you to come in as outsiders, just like Scott Hall is here on this nitro. And we want you to create interest in our network. Right. And drive new fans to our old product. Right. Because, I mean, let me just tell you, Tony. People are going to dispute my claim that it was me and you that made this stock price rise. But let me ask you this. Was it Roman Reigns? Fuck no, motherfucker. So what's more likely to believe? Hit your word, Tony. Okay. Motherfucker. Is it Conrad and Tony? Motherfucker. Or is it Roman Reigns? Motherfucker. So I'm just saying. All right. I feel like we need a t-shirt that's got the uh, the uptick of the stock. <laughs> and the t-shirt says, you're welcome. Motherfucker. Vinny. Motherfucker. <laughs> you're welcome, motherfucker. You know, I think uh, over the weekend... We debuted our most popular shirt in the history of the show. Um, of course, we've got multiple multiple new items that we need to talk about. We, we do have new shirts over at LoisRules.com. We haven't talked about that yet, but we've got two sites we want you to check out today because LoisRules.com has a shirt that we sort of freestyled that we wanted, and we didn't think people would actually dig it, and they did. Yeah, they did. Tell everybody what it is. Yeah, it, it just was one of those little ad libs that I do and I've done, and you never know what we say on this show is going to be good, but as you probably know, you can't fake hepatitis. You can't fake hepatitis is a real fucking shirt, guys. <laughs> At LoisRules.com. I can't believe it's a shirt. I can't say this was my idea, but I will say that it's available now at LoisRules.com. Now, I do have other silly ideas. And Boy, do you ever. they're over right now at boxinggimmicks.com. And one of these silly ideas is a Slapdick Nation sticker. Have you seen the sticker? I have seen the Slapdick Nation sticker, and I've got to get one for the car. I, I, I think it's pretty fun. We've also got um, I Love You For That, which is I Heart You For That. Uh, if you're a fan of um, the other show, 
we talk about hashtag drop top titty tipping time. We've got hashtag <laughs> DTTTT on a shirt. But number one with a bullet and it ain't even close is the parody of the old Death Row album uh, or Death Row Vibe magazine where it's got pictures of Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Tupac and then down in the bottom is Suge Knight. And now instead of Death Row, we have Podcast Row with Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, and yours truly striking a pose just like the old famous Death Row graphic. And it's fitting that Chris McDonald made you Tupac because you recently blessed us with your favorite Tupac song. Right. I know a lot of people were like, how the fuck is Tony Tupac? Well, we just covered why Tony is Tupac. So if you haven't seen the shirt, go to boxagimmicks.com. It might be the funniest shirt we've ever had, don't you think? I, th- I think it's one of the great things that I've seen. It really is, since you and I have been doing this. And you know why I'm Tupac on that? Because I'm a cool motherfucker! See how I said motherfucker? That, that how I did that inflection of motherfucker? I'm a cool motherfucker! Motherfucker? Can you believe that there's a shirt that not only says hashtag DTTTT, but it also <laughs> says drop top titty tip and time. <laughs> and we've got asterisks over the I-T-T-Y or the uh, I-T-T. This has been such a great ride, man. And and I hope I hope everybody's enjoying what we're doing. Thank you for your support. And as we've said earlier, we've got a lot more coming your way, hopefully, for you to enjoy. Uh, we have now been uh, talking through the fact that... Uh, Scott Steiner and Sting have come in kind of color-coordinated with Diamond Dallas Page and with Das Wunderkin. Everybody is in a key lime mood, which, by the way, is a color, not a flavor. Mm. Motherfucker. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, going, I'm going color. I mean, I'm okay. going flavor. Okay. Do you like key lime pie? Oh, it's my favorite. I'm a fat guy. And i got to tell you, my favorite for sure. Is really? uh, key lime and um, lemon meringue, and the meringue. Oh even... man, lemon meringue. Oh, are you oh. in on that? Oh man, Lois's mom. Oh, I can beat uh, it. I can beat it. You uh, know that little place I took you to breakfast that was a, technically a barbecue yes. place. Yes, they're known for their pies, and they have yep. the best lemon meringue pie you've ever eaten, and it'll smash your mother-in-law's. I can't do it. I can't do it unless I do like three workouts in that day of uh, DDP yoga. I'm gonna be. Th- I'm gonna be slim. I'm going to be slim by the time I get to Chicago. Hey, well, you know, one of the things we were talking about for Patreon is you were going to film the road trip. Right. Like, like road trips. And so I was originally thinking you were going to fly to Chicago. And well, I was since I booked your flight and whatever. But now you're like, uh, it might actually be fun if yeah. we did a road trip, which actually makes a lot of sense. But we'd have to do it in a rental car so you could fly back and get to your other engagements. But a road trip. From what happened when with some what? passengers in the back seat that yeah. randomly appear. Yeah, so, we, we could we could do our own karaoke and blow all the other karaoke's away. We could do our comedians with coffee and cars and blow all that away. Right? I, I mean I'm liking what you're doing here. Yeah. I'm just uh and I and I've got the GoPro now. I've got that. So we go we can do it. Uh, I don't know what people thought about this match. I, I personally thought this match did not live up to the the anticipation of it. It's no fault of anybody's here. But I just didn't think it did. Uh, the end was pretty cool with Luger coming out and with uh, Robbie coming out. Or, of course, 
school board coming out. Yeah, but, uh, we need to get, it, we need to get back on our gimmicks here. We're not. This is not Scott Steiner. It's Ham Cubes. Oh, Ham and, Cubes. Sorry. And you know the uh, Steiner line. Yes. Theme song. <laughs> yeah. When I watched this earlier this week, I said, "You know what would work for that?" And he said, yeah. "What's that?" And I said, "No sideburns." <laughs> and he said, "Well, I got one better." Yeah, hot buffet. Da 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 da. Hot buffet. Na 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 na. Hot buffet. Na 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 na. And can I add, motherfucker? Na na na. See, can you could motherfucker is kind of like what the fuck. You can use it in any situation, and it works. Uh, I'm glad I could teach you guys some degenerate language here today before I don't, our I show ended. I think everybody who's listening to this show has heard the word motherfucker before motherfucker. Right, right. <laughs> I believe so, I too. I love you're over here taking credit for creating motherfucker. I just uh, had to put up with Bruce Pritchard yeah. claiming all kinds of credit for John Cena's success. Really? On something else to wrestle, which airs this Wednesday on the WWE Network. We covered John Cena, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I signed him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I discovered him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I pushed for him to be the rapper gimmick. Yep. I mean, he, he's taking credit for all of that. And meanwhile, well, you're over here. I created motherfucker. I'm teaching well, you motherfuckers. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking credit for using motherfucker, and he's taking credit because he's an office stooge about creating a star. It's a little, little bit different than a fat announcer and an office stooge. Two different things. You weren't, didn't you have a, a spot in the office and didn't you say everything that Bischoff came up with was a good idea? Uh, uh, y- yeah. And didn't you once call and, and tattle about Steve Austin's phone call? No, I didn't tattle. You said, well, he says for me to tell you that he's not there. Look at that tombstone out of nowhere from Sting. Mm. What a maneuver. Thanks, thanks for changing the uh, the line of commentary there in midstream. Well, I mean, that, uh, that's what you like to do. So here's my question, I guess. Okay, you stooged off the Vader Orndorff fight. You stooged off Austin not wanting to talk to Bischoff, even though he was there in the back drinking beer with his buddies. I mean. It's a little unfair for you to call Bruce Pritchard an office stooge when you yourself have said, oh, yeah, whenever they would ask me if something was a good idea, I would say it was great. Can I uh, respond to that with a line we've been using? Fuck you, Who's, motherfucker. No, no. Whose side are you on here, motherfucker? There you go. Okay. Well, I'm on Bruce's. Fairly uh, <laughs> so, because he makes you the most money. Well, I, I think you have that backwards. I think I make him the most money. Okay. Because <laughs> right. if we're honest, everybody knows that Bruce Pritchard's a lazy motherfucker. Right. And he's right. just sitting up there in, in, in Friendswood, Texas, yeah. waiting on my Skype noise to go off on his phone. And then he says, yeah. oh, hang on. I got to go do work. I'll be back. I'm going to say, dude, dude, dude. And goddamn, pal. I'll be back in about <laughs> three hours. And then he just what? makes shit up for three hours yeah. and occasionally yells, fuck Dave Meltzer. And the, yeah. check, the checks keep coming. Well, as truth be known, if it wasn't for Conrad Thompson, Bruce Pritchard, Tony Schiavone, probably Eric Bischoff would probably be on welfare right now. Oh, my God. Listen to you. <laughs> let's let's call. Oh, let's bring in hard work Bobby Walker. He's going to settle down the situation and let's bring in Das Wunderkin. And here come the American males, the American males, American males. the clap, I've got the clap. I'll give you I the clap. The clap. <laughs> At Cowboys for Angels, you can get the clap. For five ninety nine, 
An hour we... of my time. <laughs> clap forever. An hour of my time. Clap forever. <laughs> a doctor's visit and penicillin. It's American males. <laughs> Oh, and here's no sideburns. No sideburns. <laughs> Motherfucker. Hot buffet. Okay, no, so now we're going to come to the point that we, uh, that I think was very, was handled very, very well by Eric and him, uh, him being Heenan. Uh, Eric had set it up by saying, we do have an extra mic here for you, Bobby, if your mic goes bad. He set that up purposely so this didn't look staged with the mic. Uh, and then Scott Hall comes in and says, you want a war, you got a war. And the war began. And this is uh, Scott Hall's walk in at the beginning of the show or about 20 minutes into the show was a big deal. But what he said here was a big deal as well. You want a war, you got a war. And that kicked it off, I think. Yeah, you, you've been running your mouth and we're sick of it. Uh-huh. Get your best three guys because we're coming. Right. And Bischoff's pressing, who is we? And yeah. uh, he's like, you know who we are. Good stuff. Good. A, a, a good step back in time for what made Monday Night Wars what they were. And I know people had sides. I understand that. But I just hope that. Well, no, I don't hope that. I know this, the start of a great a great run for the for the sport that I don't think the sport has seen. And I do know there's a lot more money in the sport going on now. He did a good job of looking away, but this made the sport what it was in the nineties and was, it was the beginning of hell. One of the great runs that I had in my life as an announcer. And, and listen, uh, I'm going to do some sucking up here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this would have never happened would have never happened without Eric Bischoff. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have happened with Bill Watts. It wouldn't have happened with Bob Dew. It wouldn't have happened with Kip uh, Fry. It wouldn't have happened with goddamn Jim Hurd. This happened because Eric Bischoff had a vision. Dusty Rhodes used to always say, he would say, Bischoff has the vision that no one else had. So, yeah, say what you want to about Eric Bischoff, but this is all him right here. Now, you got to have the players to make it work, right? And I understand that. But you got to have a guy with an idea and a guy willing to push that idea. And he had plenty of ideas that probably could have gone a little bit further had it not been him working for a bunch of shitheads like TBS. Well, that's going to wrap up this very special Monday Night Nitro edition. Of course, this is the first two-hour episode, and most famously, where Scott Hall showed up to kick off the NWO and I feel like we need to uh, put a bug in everybody's ear. Jim Crockett Promotions for the entire month of June. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Come check us out on Patreon. We're really excited about this because it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time. And that's give you more content. And the way we're doing it is through video. So we're going to recap exactly how we're going to do it. But the show we're going to be watching next week I want to encourage you to watch ahead of time in case you can't listen and watch along with us is June 7th, 1986. So go fire up the WWE network June 7th, 1986 NWA world championship wrestling is what we're going to be covering. And let's run through real fast. Again, the benefits of Patreon. If you'd like to support us, if not, we'll see you next week on Wednesday. 
So set your calendars uh, accordingly. It'll be Wednesday, June the 6th. Now, if you're joining us on Patreon, well, see you Monday, buddy. It's patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Slap Dig Nation, just seven bucks a month. You're going to get the show 48 hours early, ad free, a weekly video Q&A with Tony and Conrad. Uh, also, behind the scenes video of our weekly prep and the ability to vote in the polls. Hot Tag Express for a little bit more. You get all that, plus the personal call from Tony, a monthly bonus show on the current product, a second monthly bonus show on other promotions, a 10% discount at boxagimmicks.com, and footage of Tony calling fans for the t-shirt orders with our special gift to you, an exclusive WHW enamel pin. If you're a glass bottom boat rider for just a little bit more, you get all of that, plus two free VIP tickets to a live show over the next year. 15% off your box of gimmicks.com purchases exclusive WHW merchandise for free. And as if that wasn't enough, you can even schedule coffee with Tony visit with him by Skype and you're invited to our annual gatherings in Atlanta and or Nashville. We're going to let you guys pick the dates and we're going to have one big get together in one of those cities over the next year. Now, maybe you're a low key big hog. You're going to get every bit of that. Plus 20% off of all your purchases at boxofgimmicks.com. But maybe the coolest thing of all, you pick a bonus episode, whatever you want. And then you join us on the show to sort of explain why we're covering what we're covering, a brand new piece of merch every single quarter for free and a private invite to a weekend event here in Huntsville. So it's all going down right now on Patreon. If you don't want to donate, cool. You don't have to. Uh, but we would love to have your support at patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. You can support us for as little as $7 and you'll never hear another ad here on the show. So if you haven't already, check it out. Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash WHW Monday. And check out Slap Dick Nation, Hot Tag Express, Glass Bottom Boat Riders, and the Low Key Big Hogs. Uh, as always, check out our shirts at boxagimmicks.com and lowestrules.com. And support our YouTube channel if you haven't already. It's youtube.com forward slash WHW. Just hit the subscribe button right there. And we're going to start breaking out this show with uh, lots of little clips and the famous gags that you remember that have sort of made our show so popular. We're going to have that broken out very, very soon on our YouTube channel. And that's going to be available because we actually have a whole team of folks behind the scenes time stamping basically every funny thing we've ever done here on the show. Tony, anything else we need to plug before we get out of here this week? No, there's nothing else we need to plug. I'd just like to say again, we're all wrestling fans. We all love the business, so let's all come together right now over me, motherfucker. Well, Tony, when I uh, look at my clock, I can't help but think it's, uh, it's about that time. It's time for our tag team main event this week on WHW Monday. It's the American males. The American males. They got the clap. The American males going up against Ham Cube. Yes. And school board, the Steiner brothers. And remember, no sideburns. No sideburns. Oh, my God. Here's a run in coming out of the backstage area. And he's in coconut cream tights. It's Alex Wright. He's coming to the ring. Das Wunderkin. Here comes Jim Barnett behind him. He's coming to the ring. It looks like to me he might have a boner on. We're out of time. We'll see you next week on WHW Monday. Motherfucker. Who was your favorite of the two? Were you more of a Tupac or a Biggie guy? 
I kind of I kind of like Tupac. What's your favorite Tupac song? Uh, I want you. All right, there we go. I need you. I need you. Ain't no way ever gonna love you. But don't be sad. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. I want you. All right, there we go. I need you. I need you. Ain't no way ever gonna love you. But don't be sad. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Chicken motherfucker. Oh, bitch. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. If you want more of Conrad and Tony. Really? You want more of these two slap dicks? Buy something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Still America's number one sports podcast. Buy 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Wait, Bischoff's got a podcast too? <laughs> Buy boxofgimmicks.com. Speaking from someone who married a gimmick, this is a cool place to get all of your stuff when you just can't get enough of WHW, something to wrestle with, and 83 weeks. Buy ham cubes. You got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning. You take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning. But then you take my 75% chance of winning, and then add 66 and two-thirds percent. I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you. Sooner or later, he's going to kick Conrad's ass. (laughs) (laughs) It's an all-day job. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And by my favorite, LoisRules.com, the website named after me and the place to get all of your great WHW t-shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees. Is that it? Yes. Well, next time you read this stuff yourself. Y'all got any biscuits in there at LoisRules.com? Mm-hmm. I like mustard and biscuits. You know, I don't care what Tony Schiavone says. He was an office stooge, and that's the bottom line. Bunch of slapdicks.